0: What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So, yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is making his third appearance on the show. If you haven't heard the other two, I highly recommend them. Nathan Oates has served as a mentor to me the past few years, and he just released a new book on stability. And in this conversation, we dig into stability and how it is a value component that, if practiced, can bring us the peace joy, and purpose that each of us seek in our lives. Enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend, Nathan Oates. I'm so excited as always to be talking fatherhood, but especially with one of my greatest mentors in my life, Pastor Nathan Oates. What's up, Nathan? How are you? Doing good. Good to see you again. Dude, so nice. Most of the podcasts the last year have all been virtual Mm -hmm. and we're sitting here inside the church mm-hmm. hanging out face to face, feels really good to see you, um, and your book launch is monday that 's right and I get to be there you do yeah i do oh that 's so cool a friend. i didn 't yeah. know that yeah it Oh, that 's awesome for me to, for me to be oh i can 't wait for you to be there yeah i 'm so excited sweet so that 's what we 're talking about today is your book now this right. is pastor nathan 's third time on the podcast, and I will just say. The last time, like I get chills thinking about it, we dug into pride mm-hmm. and it has been transformational. I've had a lot of people talk to me about that episode just because as men, especially men who are on the journey that we are on, like trying
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and enjoying life. <laughs> uh, the journey that takes some effort. Yeah,
0: the journey that takes some effort is um, I think that you know we can find a lot of pride in that and and we want to overcome but there's these holdups because like I still compare myself, you know, I'm still very harsh on myself, mm-hmm. a lot of judgment. So the idea of pride, that conversation has been very opening for okay. me. Yeah. So um, I just encourage people go check that out. Go check out the one before that really solid. But today we're talking about stability. What is it?
1: Yeah, I wrote this book that's called Stability. The subtitle is an Ancient Monastic How an Ancient Monastic Practice Can Restore Our Homes, Our Churches, Our Communities. Um, and stability essentially is an ingredient that is critical for any work that lasts. That's what I'm arguing. Hmm. Kind of want to like let that sit for a second. Stability is an essential ingredient if what you are trying. Uh, to accomplish is going to reasonably be accomplished. If it has a chance of actually evolving into something that bears fruit, it's not an optional thing.
0: If you want what you're working on or putting your life into to-
1: To last and to to bear fruit, to matter. Yeah. So if we back up a little bit, stability is a value that you either have or you don't have. I'm inviting people to consider embracing stability as a value. And then, of course, if you're going to really embrace a value, it has to translate into practices. You have to do something with that value. You can't just value health. You have to actually change the way you eat or change the right. way so, so the value needs to get trans, uh, translated into practices. Um, and then that, that value of stability essentially – gets expressed within the context of a commitment to people, a specific people and a specific place and a specific purpose.
0: So when you're talking about stability, <clears throat> is it less like a like a craft in the sense of um, I roast coffee mm-hmm. for my life mm-hmm. or I do jujitsu for my life? Mm-hmm. I mean, could those be it too? But you're talking more about, stability in community, the fruit that comes from doing life with others? So are they kind of different? No, they're not
1: different. I mean, the guy who practices martial arts, he has the real opportunity and the potential to become a master at that, but not if he doesn't embrace stability. Because you can't do that overnight. You can't go through the matrix download and go... I know Kung Fu. You can't do that. It's not real life, but we think that is possible. I think we think that, I think our culture is so addicted to immediate gratification and shortcuts and life hacks that we, we don't like consider the cost of actually becoming like a master barista. I think that was the other Mm. example that you, and so we, we, we either intentionally repudiate or we just simply don't recognize, because nobody in our culture is talking about it, that to become good at anything, to become a master at anything, to really grow to a place where you're bearing fruit of any kind, there needs to be stability. Another way of putting that is there needs to be a long-term commitment for a purpose and with, with a people. Like, like with your wife, a purpose could be raising a healthy, well-adjusted family. That's your why. If you just embrace stability for stability's sake, that's silly. You would embrace... it's. A, in other words, it's instrumental. You, stability is a value because of what it creates, what it enables. Do you so, think
0: that we we realize that we want that though? Like if I'm watching a movie mm-hmm. and I see... Um, I've never seen the notebook, but let's just say I had seen the notebook. I haven't either. Oh, I'm just kidding. I have several <laughs> times. Um, but at the end of the movie, you've got this old married couple, right? And it's just so beautiful, this old mm. married couple. And when I see that, I go, that's just, I want that. And that's where I will be. But then as yep. far as my actions today, a lot of times they don't point to what would create that thing 50 years exactly.
1: from now. Exactly. We all, I think, want the fruit of stability. We want what stability enables.
0: So innately, something in us wants that. I think so. I see that and I want that. I, I, I want to be at my my daughter's wedding dancing with her, yeah. with my wife that I had this daughter with there by my side. Yes. I want to be there when my my grandkids are graduating eighth grade mm-hmm. and I would love for my kids all to be there and... Be happy to see Dad. yeah like I envision that that's what it will be like. Right and have, a
1: tr- have an honest and open relationship with you, and you're the wise old man yes, in 100%. the room like the, the whole deal, right? Want that. Right. So do I. So do
0: I. But you're saying that there is no life hack, there is no the, there's no the, shortcut to that. The Life hack is enter into stability. Yes, which yes. is going to go ahead and be your entire life.:
1: Yes. It is a long-term engagement. Doesn't necessarily mean that you live in a specific monastery for 80 years with the same 10 guys, but we need to look at this monastic practice, Mm -hmm. this historic monastic practice of stability, which they actually make a vow, which we can talk about, as the inspiration for my approach to fatherhood, my approach to marriage. It needs to be, I need to have my vision affected, my understanding affected by this significantly deep and long-term commitment to stability because we've slid so far away from it that that we need to have like an extreme I don't I don't believe it's actually extreme I believe it's radical I believe it's like close to the source mm. but we need to have a radical example of stability to like pull us toward that that wisdom that we actually want, that depth of marriage that we actually want, the fruitful life, that we, the legacy that we imagine, that stuff isn't gonna happen if we take our cues from modern North American culture because right. it's addicted to uh, consumerism, instant gratification. If this isn't working, you bail, you get the next model. <laughs> We're living in a culture that is reeling in dissatisfaction, over, the way it's all working out. And it's surprising that we don't more easily abandon that, but we don't. We just keep buying the next thing, moving on to the next thing. This isn't working, I'm quitting, I'm going to go there. There is another model, and it's this ancient model that's rooted in long-term commitment to a people, we could say to our families, to a place, that would be our home, and to a purpose, and you can define that as you want, but that long-term commitment, I I'm arguing, is what enables us to actually do work that matters.
0: So tell me about the difference between radical. You said extreme mm-hmm. and radical. Okay. So so what do you mean? Because what it sounds like is is I'm going to live as an ex- in really extreme, like yeah, just to really enter into stability. Yeah. And so you yeah, know, I'm I, because I'm choosing like. I don't know would you call it a hyper consistent life
1: I like that actually. I like hyper consistent, but it's more than just consistent as in habitual it's it's uh, like you just are a routine guy and you eat oatmeal every single day mm-hmm. It's more than that it's um It's a rootedness that is trying to get increasingly close to the source of life okay so the what roots. Is the and and that's really the that's the difference between being radical and being extreme and some people think I make too big of a deal about this, but the two words are really, really different, even though they're used interchangeably. Extreme means out on the radical, out on the extreme edge, out on the ragged edge, so far from the core that it's, it's like an aberration. It's like, it's like an outlier. That's an ist or an extreme view.
0: Is extreme always still searching then I th- for what the source is?
1: Hmm. It's just so far from the source. It's, like you would say, like the people say that he's a, a radical Islam. I mean, an extreme, see, see, the, we, we use it interchangeably, and that's a mistake. Because radical actually means close to the root. Mm. So somebody who seems to us to be extreme, like a monk, when monks are called extreme for praying all day, I would argue they're not extreme, they're radical, because they're they're getting close to the source of life, which is God. An extreme view of prayer might be somebody who doesn't pray at all because we weren't made to live separate from our creator. So you see the difference? Maybe mm. it's semantics, but I would say that the, uh, the invitation in stability is to move increasingly closer to what gives life, to the source of life.
0: So then why does our culture run away from stability?
1: Because it's so hard. We run away from stability because it's so hard. We're quick to quit. We haven't been required to um, demonstrate a level of consistency in almost any area of our life.
0: Hmm. Uh, When did that start? Is that new?
1: I I don't know when it started. That's a really good question. It's It's probably always existed. I mean, Benedict is the first... He's a sixth century monk, and he's the first monk to include in his rule or his way of life for the men in his monastery he's the first one to include the vow of stability other rules had been written that don't even include the vow of stability he includes the value of stability because in the sixth century he's already seeing consumerism just wreck culture Mm. so
0: it's not a new thing it's
1: not a new thing i think people are always i think there's something in human nature that is inherently prideful and restless and thinks that we know better than anybody else, including our creator. So we're going to go figure it out on our own. And that causes so, us to just be in this perpetual cycle of looking and then leaving and then looking and then leaving again and then looking and leaving again.
0: So then why inside of us, is there this thing that, cause I, I don't think that it's, I mean, marketing works because there's this thing inside of us telling like me going, there's something better right. out there. Yeah. So that's probably not something that was just created. It's probably been, uh, you know, manipulated and compounded on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something in me that goes, there's something better. But is the reason that that's inside of me is so that I have a choice to choose stability?
1: I think the, well, that's a good question. I don't know for sure. But I think that I think the reason that that's inside of you is because you were made for a relationship with your creator. And so... Anything that is in any way inferior to your creator, which is everything else, is not able to satisfy your longing. But we don't want to go to our creator with everything. We want to find... Um, our own control, which means we find satisfaction in things like pickup trucks and beach vacations. They're not bad, but we expect for them to fulfill a hole in our hearts that can't be filled, yep. you know, by anything else. And you now this is, this is uh, St. Augustine, you know, famously says this. So um, I think that's why you, st- I think that's why marketing works. I think that's why everybody can identify with a sense of longing. What I think is, short on supply is the recognition that these things that we expect will fulfill us they don't fulfill us they don't satisfy us at the end of the day and I'm wondering like when will I with the variety of things that really have my eye when will I at a deep level recognize um, that will not satisfy what I actually am longing for there is no substitute for like the core object of my longing but that's something that I think we learn and develop over a long amount of time. If we stay put, if we're constantly running the circuit of consumerism, we never quiet down enough to actually be able to be honest with ourselves and go, "You know what I'm really longing for?" Because we're just feeding ourselves on fair food, you know, every 15 minutes. You just never So,
0: you're so, never present long enough to not be distracted. Like I was thinking if I'm on the beach or, you know, sitting at a pool at a sick hotel with mm-hmm. my wife and I'm looking at a magazine and I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to go to Utah, Zion next summer. It's a great example. That's what we got to do. Yeah. But be, or, or if I'm not present enough in a certain spot, I see, you know, my neighbor always pulling out with his Harley and I'm like, dang, if I just had the Harley, which I would like. <laughs> um, but if I'm not present enough to just to go, oh, that's Bob riding his Harley today And I'm just living in my own space, not always distracted by everything around me. I haven't created enough presence to have stability.
1: You haven't embraced stability. You haven't created enough presence to know yourself.
0: Mm. There's
1: nothing wrong with the Harley. What's wrong is you think your Harley is going to fulfill a role in your life that it was never built to fulfill. Right. Nothing wrong with having a Harley or going to Vegas or Utah or wherever you're on vacation. The problem is putting so much, uh, giving so much credit to that thing that you think it's going to fulfill you when it's not going to fulfill you. Stability also won't fulfill you, but stability is the practice that you embrace in order to learn what will actually fulfill you.
0: Okay. So then this is, what does stability start with?
1: Okay. Good. So because because there's a recognition that this is going to be like one of the hardest things you ever do, Mm -hmm. it starts with a vow. Like that's what vows are for. Vows are a promise before the hard thing comes that you're going to stick with it knowing that it's going to be hard. This is why marriage begins with a vow because you're saying in front of everybody I'm excited about this, but I know I have no idea what tomorrow brings, and I'm intending to be with this person for the rest of my life. I know that's probably going to be one of the hardest things, one of the hardest promises I ever keep. So right out of the gate, I'm beginning with the vow. I will promise before God and all of my community to be with this woman for the rest of my life. So, that and, and stability I'm is, pretty
0: sure nobody, nobody's thinking that
1: <laughs> in the moment when they're up there. Probably not. They're not thinking about that for sure. They're thinking about probably a hundred other things. But isn't it... See, that's the wisdom of the tradition of the church saying, this is how weddings begin. You should start with a vow. Somebody who's actually stuck with it knows. The wisdom that they've gained tells them, begin by promising and that this is an irrevocable promise. Begin with a vow. I mean, people don't make a lot of vows. You've made two, a baptismal vow and a wedding vow. Yep. I've made three, those two, plus being ordained as a pastor. Mm. You don't do these uh, these kinds of things every day, but you do them because you know it's gonna be hard. So stability begins with a vow um, In in one sense. I say even before, c- clearly... Like you said, you're not thinking about a vow when you start. So I would say if I'm just talking...
0: We should be. If we were mentoring our young people prior to the marriage to discuss like deeply, like this is mm-hmm. what this is, not in fear, but this is what it is. And and if we were open about what our marriages look like, we let people see the struggle. Yeah. We let people understand. But you said prior to this is stability won't fill that need. Stability is not going to fill what you're looking for. It's the it's the entire process because the you're tool. learning. Mm-hmm. But with that, that sounds real fun and sexy. Like, yeah, I want to learn so I can be a great human. Yeah. But then we don't realize that the learning is not coming from like this expected I'm so awesome it's being confronted every day right. with it's not my way yep. it's not about me mm-hmm. it's this is n- this is not about my happiness right. which we're all sold on all these things are going to make us happy right. this is this is like a long term like that married couple at 80 years like there there was deaths in the family right. there was there was hard this that and the other yeah, those they were faced things their own that limits. embraced mm-hmm. together yeah um and there was a lot of sacrifice and and not making it about you yeah
1: so here's a conversation i have regularly with people who ask me to be a part of their wedding as a minister i say why do you want to get married because if you just want to If you just want to live together, then just live together. But if you want to get married, let's talk about what that is. Essentially, what you're talking about at that point is you're helping them recognize that something matters so much to them that failure is not an option. If something, if this relationship matters so much to you that this relationship failing is not an option, if like that's how much you value this, then we need to talk about a vow right? See, you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, So Mine. I think that the stability conversation starts with what is so important to you that failure is not an option. My failing my kids, it's not an option for me. It's not an option. I'm not okay with it. I don't mean typical disappointments and I'm a human, I'm going to make mistakes. But right. I mean like being the dropout dad for my daughter, nope, it's not going to happen. And that's what—that's where the, the commitment to stability is rooted for me. Because I am not going to be the dropout dad, because my relationship with my daughter cannot be fail. I cannot fail at that. I'm not okay with that. I'm going to embrace stability. This is the tool that has enough power to keep me on the track to become the father that she needs me to become.
0: So I... I feel like everybody listening to that resonates a hundred percent. Like I will not fail my kids. Mm -hmm. So we're down for there to be a vow and to have stability Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But because of our culture and I don't know what else Mm -hmm. to say, I'm, I'm committed to this marriage because this marriage is going to play a critical component in my daughter and Mm -hmm. my son's Mm -hmm. lives Mm -hmm. That. I'm willing to commit to my kids, but I'm not willing to commit to this as much because this person, I shouldn't have married them or yeah. this they're frustrating or whatever. And so I feel like there is a missing component in, in this, cause we would all say that our kids are important, but I'd love to be here for you, you know, daughter, but your mom's a kook. So I'm out. Mm. So I feel like that has sometimes given dads the, 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 approval or okay yeah. that, Hey, you know what? You're better off with your mom and I'm out now. Yeah. I, now I don't even mean that necessarily in like the the dropout dad who the kid never sees again. Sure. I could even mean that in the passive dad who's not engaged in the home.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Because we have these different things pulling at us, but how then does stability, mm-hmm. how does stability, how does one commit to that vow? And have a why, and I don't want to say I'm just going to love your mom because I I want to be a good dad, Mm -hmm. but to see that this marriage piece is really significant to the legacy that I'm leaving as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it doesn't take more than 10 minutes on Google to convince yourself that your children are better off in almost every situation. I won't say every, but in almost every situation, if the parents stay together, um, before it gets to that point of deciding, I guess, to break up a marriage and actually having to kind of face the potential collateral damage on your children, I think that young men, young dads who are listening would would set themselves up for such increased success, impact, fruit, if they would say, for what purpose do I need to remain faithful, mm. right? For what purpose? What is the why behind my stability? Why do I need to stay committed? What's the why?
0: So what is that why? Because maybe it's like, eh, I don't need to be next to this person uh, at my kid's wedding in 20 years, or I don't yeah. need to be sitting next to somebody. What, what is that why? Because we're all looking for like, what's the meaning of life and why am mm. I here and what matters to me and what makes me happy? What is that that's why that's question. universal? Is there well, a universal why though?
1: I don't know if there's a uni- I think there's a universal why, but that's right. my perspective. Uh, I, I, I don't know if, for, I'll just tell you for me, um, I need to remain faithful to demonstrate to my kids what is true about them. They're going to learn what's true about them from me first, before they read any books, before they actually even have a relationship with their creator. I'm the one as the father positionally equipped and uniquely equipped. There is no other man on earth who has the direct line to the heart of my sons and my daughter in order to communicate them to them through my words and my actions that it is a good thing that they exist, mm. that they can trust me, and that I will never leave them. I'm telling you, you get that in your soul before you can speak. So that's the universal why, in my opinion, the father represents God to the child before the child can, can figure it out on their own or can even begin to learn any kind of other perspectives. And it's not manipulation. It's a gift. It's our role positionally as fathers. There's a lot of people that can influence our kids for good but there is only one father and it's so easy to see the impact on a negative side there's this whole thing called the father wound if your dad left you it doesn't matter if seven or eight other men raised you up that probably was really helpful and you're probably fine but there's i i would bet for most guys there's a real sadness in the vacancy that their father left um
0: i mean that's i mean we know it to be true i mean man i just want to like pause on everything you just said was like the core, when you say that, inside of me, I wanna be that guy. Now, I don't know why, but mm. I wanna be that guy. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody listening is like, that's why I'm here. Yes. That's why I'm here. I want to be that guy. So, whatever you just said, when you said it, there's a fire inside me. That's who I want to be. And I also recognize that I was that kid that wanted that thing. Whether my dad fully gave it to me or not, I think that's also a reality is that the dad can probably never fully fulfill that. No, we can't. We,
1: we We never accurately reflect the goodness of God to our kids. You can more or less accurately reflect the love and the truth of God. Some of us do it pretty well. Some of us do it terribly. None of us do it perfectly. So there's always that handoff between my dad's amazing, and now I need to look to God to fulfill the longings of my heart, because mm-hmm. even my dad mm-hmm. can't fulfill the longings of my heart. And if he's a good
0: heart. dad, he is going to point you in that direction. Exactly. He's going to say, I am not right. God. Right. I have, I have been this guy in your life to guide you. Right. But I'm also acknowledging that I am a child too. Yeah. And dude, I mean, when you say all that, that's exactly what I want. And so when I say, is there this universal why... We are all looking for a book or an answer to tell us or show us that that's the thing. And some things are just mysterious. Mm -hmm. Like that's just inside me. Yeah. And I'm willing to admit that now a lot of us are going to the extreme to find that.
1: Yes. That's a great, that's a great comment. You're right.
0: You can't do it on your own because, Mm -hmm. because I go to this relationship, I go to this group of friends, Mm -hmm. I go to support this community of people. And I'm always looking for the thing that's going to make me feel valuable, important. But if we just center in, that's why the family is so important. Mm -hmm. I mean, we look at, we look at the marriage as a community, Mm -hmm. we look at the family as a community. And then for you, you know, this, this third realm of the church is Mm -hmm. this community, which I know the book is really written. Um, especially with, you know, with those, with, with leaders of churches in mind Mm -hmm. of how to stability matters, how to stay in this, like, it's not about a lot of things we make it about.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to argue in the book, whether it's for your home or your city or your church, that you were made to do meaningful work. You were made to move in the world, to journey through life, healing and restoring not hurting and destroying. But that meaningful movement comes from stability. It comes from a deep place of rootedness. So on the, on, on one, from one perspective, if you see two people getting on an airplane, one goes in, the next one goes in, they look like they're doing the same thing. But one might be leaving abandoning, mm-hmm. wandering. Mm. They, they don't know what they're looking for. They're, look, they're searching for themselves. The other person might have been sent by a community. That's a person on mission. They know who they are. They know where they're going. They know why they're going. From the outside, it looks like they're doing the same thing. It's totally different. The movement is different movement because it's born out of a different source. One is a wanderer. One is like a missionary, a guy who's just on a mission to go like heal and serve the world. The whole book is basically a contrast between restoration and abandonment. Where does abandonment come from? What is it ultimately rooted in? The lack of stability, the vacuous, Mm. dramatic, tragic lack of stability of any kind. Where does restoration come from? Roots, man, like real stability, having not moved for a long time. The, you know, the, the big narrative that you and I have embraced is the message of Christ. He tells his disciples, go into all the world. Like go heal the world. The message is go. Mm-hmm. But before they can go as healers, they, have, they had to remain with him for a while, mm-hmm. right? And the, one of uh, his classic teachings that a lot of people can really resonate with is this idea of a vine and a branch. And the vine, what's the vine's job? The branch's job is to stay connected to the vine. The vine is the source of life. He says, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. The only job of the branch is to stay connected to the source. And then Jesus says, if you stay connected, if you abide, you will bear much fruit. We're so focused on bearing fruit that we neglect the only thing he really tells us to do with is to stay connected to a source of our life our creator if we do that according to the parable he produces the fruit the mm-hmm. fruit is a natural um product of remaining connected you remain connected to your wife the natural fruit it's the way it was made it will happen It's, it's, or it's created to have, it's designed this way. You stay connected to your wife. You have a fruitful relationship, emotionally, physically, spiritually, you remain connected to your children and they remain connected to you. Same thing happens. Um, So it's frankly, the book is remarkably simple. This message is super basic, but it feels. So I would say it's radical because it's so basic. It's so close to the root. It's so elemental. It's so elemental. Of course, a tree needs to stay planted if it's going to produce apples. Of course, the tree won't produce apples if it gets moved every three years for the first 20 years of its life. Hmm. But it feels like a little bit of a strange and unusual message because we live in a culture that moves every three years of our life. Yeah. Some of us grew up in situations where we went to different schools every year. We lived in different neighborhoods all the time. There were different adults living in the house and then not living in the house. And and then, you know, you turn 40 and you're like, I feel lost. Of course you feel lost. You have no roots. You never were given the opportunity to send roots deep. There was no stability in your life. So you haven't experienced those things which can only come through stability. There are no shortcuts for some of these things. So you're not like, S-O-L and sorry, but you, the answer is to, is to start small and say, what is, it, what is it that I want? Will I stay? Will I stay committed? Will, will, I, will I embrace a reason to stay committed? And will I embrace, that's the why for stability. And is there someone else that I could invite into this experience with me? So, so a, a who, I wanna stay here. I wanna experience, and it could even be short-term. It could even start small. I wanna have, um, I wanna experience greater physical health in three months. My reason for being stable to the gym Every morning for three months will be so that I can climb this mountain with my kid because mm. I can't even walk up a mountain right now because yep. I'm so fat. And I'm going to do this with a friend. So I'm going I'm to remain committed to them. And it's not just a commitment to me, which is very American and individualistic, and it doesn't work. I'm going to remain committed to them. So even if they don't show up, I'm in the gym out of a commitment to them. This is all Benedict's doing. Is He's saying, devotion to God is so important, we can't afford to fail. So let's make a vow to stay in this community with one another for the purpose of honoring God. And let's figure out how to do it together. And when it gets hard and we want to bail, it's not allowed. We have to work through it. Abandonment is not an option because abandonment will only destroy, will only erode, it will only break apart what we've begun to build in not running away,
0: so as most times we're confronted with <clears throat> with wanting to run away because I'm offended in some way or something mm. bothered me mm-hmm. because I feel like you know say I'm forty years old and I don't have roots um <clears throat> And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to commit to here, but you know what? This person pissed me off or this person, Mm -hmm. you know, so I have personally, I have such high expectations. So I feel as though like I want every day to be the epic part of the movie and there's music playing in the background. Um, And that's not reality, nor do I necessarily grow. If everything I do, I'm just like, it just works perfectly. just comes easy. Yeah, Yeah. Because then I'm never really, I'm not really growing then. Yeah. Okay. So. Do you think that most people run or move on or stop going to a church or stop Mm -hmm. whatever it is they stop doing Mm -hmm. because they get offended or they get bored or they have too high expectations? Because I want guys to be able to go, why do I not stick with stability? Because you say that, and then I invited my friend to the gym, but, well, Joe didn't show up this morning, so screw it, I'm not going to go, or or whatever. So,
1: So first I would say there is a huge risk involved here because stability is inherently long-term. And so the commitment to stability is a long-term commitment and a big risk comes with that. Cause if you're wrong and you've spent 10 years in this relationship, 10 years trying to like stay devoted and it doesn't work, then the cost is much greater than if you just try a two day vitamin pack and see if it works for you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I want to say up front that, that there is a risk. I acknowledge that, that it is a risk, and it's a risk that most people are not willing to make. Most of us are willing to try it once or twice in our life, and one of those is probably with our spouse. Like, we try marriage, right? Hope that it works out. Um, there's a really interesting story that speaks to this. In the first book of the Bible, there's this, there's this guy, he's motivated by selfishness, so he lies to his father, and he cheats his brother, and then he gets caught, and so he's afraid, and so he runs, and he, instead of saying, I'm sorry, and pressing into the relationship and dealing with the reality and being honest, he runs. Later, he gets exhausted from running, so he falls asleep on the side of the road, and he has this dream, which is where the Led Zeppelin song, Stairway to Heaven, comes from. Okay. Right? He dreams about the stairway to heaven, and in the dream, God reveals to him his plan, not just for... Him, the man, but for the place where he is Mm. right now. And the man's name is Jacob, and his famous realization upon waking up from this dream is to say, surely the Lord was in this place, and I was not aware of it. And sometimes in churches, you hear this as like a call to worship. You hear this as a good thing. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. But in the context, this dude is... Frightened. This guy is really, really scared. It's fear that grips his heart. It says in the in the story that he was afraid. What seemed like the night before to just be this inconsequential stop on the side of the road, just mm. a place for him to break, to take a break, um, is now something that he understands to be awesome and something at something like the house of God. He says, this is none other than the house of God. And here's what's so important for us to see, that experiencing God in this place was not what this man expected. He's surprised, but he shouldn't be surprised because God is not somewhere else. God is right where he is. So translate that to the dude who's frustrated in his marriage, thinks it's gonna be better somewhere else. What he doesn't know, what is hard to see for all of us, is that God is in that place. God has a plan for that man in that place. The answer is not to run away because God is not somewhere else. God is right here. The source of life is here. It's here. The answer
0: isn't somewhere else. The answer is here.
1: I like that. It's well said. And that's a risk. And that's a risk. But... You don't ever experience the purpose, the beautiful purpose of that relationship if you bail out of it. You short circuit the possibility for it to ever become something beautiful. What if it could become something beautiful again? What if your marriage could be healed? What if you could have a story that goes, we fell in love, we got married, we had kids, We hit a couple bumps. We made some stupid decisions. We separated. We thought it was over. But then we leaned in. We didn't leave. We didn't quit. We kept pressing closer to the source of life, and it started to come together again. And what we now have 30 years later is more beautiful than we ever even knew marriage could be. And bonus— Our kids now have somebody to look to who has actual wisdom about relationships. Why do they have wisdom? Because they almost quit. It got so hard. They can actually experientially understand how hard it gets, but they didn't quit. They pressed through the forest, they know the way through the challenge, the darkness. That's called wisdom. And now as a dad, 50 years old, you can talk to your 20-year-old son and say, let me tell you the wisdom that I gained through a hard time because I didn't quit. I stuck with it. Now, I know some people are in hellacious situations and there's probably examples of truly toxic relationships, but most most of us, most of us, we're tapping out too fast.
0: So then I want to put the pressure on the dudes right now because I know we're in a weird state of life. Yeah. I believe that, yes, it takes two people. And yes, me and my wife are equal in many ways. But I believe that if men were to lead, if men were to fight for the marriage, the women would follow that. Mm -hmm. but I feel like people don't want to say that. People don't want to hear that. People want like talk about, you know, toxic masculinity, which Mm -hmm. there's a lot of whatever there's toxic stuff out there. But like, if I'm going to dance, somebody has to take that step. And I feel like naturally when we allow our wives to be the one who are always fighting for that to be the ones, Hey, let's do counseling. Let's fight for this. Like you're missing Your opportunity, because when I watch the movie, I want to be the hero. I want to be the one who's going to battle and fighting. Why don't we look at our marriages like that? Because yeah, she might say some stuff because you've probably been a pansy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been a pansy in my relationship at times, and and let my wife have to make the hard decisions that I should be stepping in and not ruling and making a decision, but not not making her mother a sixth child. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And just expect, well, Sarah will figure it out Mm -hmm. for us. Or, hey, babe, what do you think? Like, yes, what do you think? But there are times where I feel as though I need to make this decision, but I'm being a puss and not making the decision I'm supposed to. And so when I think about us fighting for our marriages, I feel like people don't want to say that. But I feel as though if a dude were to lead, which doesn't mean patriarchal mean king. Right. Right sacrificial servant king. Right. Taking care of the kingdom in a way that a kingdom should be taken care of. Right. That's serving, putting yourself not first. I mean, taking care of yourself, obviously, mm-hmm. but fighting for those in your care.
1: Right, right.
0: What do you think about that? That's
1: love. Yeah, that's that's love. That's, love. that's what you promised you were going to do. You promised you were going to love her. I promised I was going to love her. Um, that means you, the model of love is a man who voluntarily lays his life down mm. for others who don't deserve it. So whether she deserves it or not, it's completely irrelevant. You are called to love. Loving is sacrifice. That's what it is. Lay your life down for her. And I, I struggle with this like every dude. Last night, last night, bro. Tough situation in the family. Carmen's got to make a hard call. She starts laying out the details. I'm buried in work. And I say something stupid. And I like add up the amount of time it's going to take. Like that's going to be helpful. <laughs> and she looks at me and she says, I need you to be here for me. Mm. She shouldn't have had to say that. I should have said that. I should have said, I'm here for you. That's the kind of leadership you're talking about. I think take the initiative to say, that's the challenge. That's the reality that you're facing. That's the brokenness you're trying to heal. I'm here for you. But what let me it ask take? you
0: this. What was your response to what she said?
1: When she said, I need you to be here for me? Yes. Well, initially
0: No, yeah. I, I guess, initially I, I shut up. I, I was I,
1: like, man, this is frustrating. And then before we went to sleep, I apologized. I said,
0: So that's what I'm I would sorry. say is the difference. So I think that when when I have looked at you or when people look at like, oh that's a great man, that's a great husband, that's a great father, the difference is You've already cultivated a relationship that's mutual with your wife. Like that's servant right there is yes, you're a human, but she had the freedom to say, I need you to be here for me right now. Now it may have come out like frustrated, but she also knew that you would respond to that because you've said, this is who I want to be. And you as my partner, we're going to hold each other accountable to be who we want to be. Are we always going to show up like that? No, but within minutes, hours, whatever, it was there. Whereas a lot of us spiral out. I'm sleeping on the couch tonight Mm where we're we're going three, four days, which then just continues to spiral (laughs) into like nothingness. And that's, that's the sad part is that moment is a real moment. That's going to continue to happen because we're human beings, right? It's what do you do with that? When that happens, when the grenade is thrown, do you run away or do you jump on it for those around you? And as men, we want to be like, do the beginning of, uh, well, Captain America, you know, mm-hmm. I think that is the movie one, the kid yeah. jumps on the grenade, right? That's what we want to be, but we don't necessarily look at those close relationships as the opportunity to live that out.
1: Right. Yeah. We think adventure and heroism is going to come over there on the other side, this amazing journey. Really, the heroic, and I don't mean exceptional, but the truly meaningful acts are the small little things that happen in the confine of an actual house with four or five of the same people, and you are challenged every day to not be selfish. But you accept those challenges as part of the process of becoming who you were created to be. Mm. If I was always off on some exciting deer hunt, I wouldn't have to face those challenging domestic Rec- those points in our life that re- that actually shine a mirror back to how self-centered I actually am. It's easy to like get along with a few guys for a weekend. It's hard to stay in your house, right? Or to stay committed to your family yeah, for the long yeah. haul. It Nobody would say uh, a, a dad who, you know, I don't know, sold newspaper subscriptions and mowed his lawn and loved his three kids and his wife for 40 years was a hero. Cause in our culture, that's just, it's just not exciting. But I would say that there's something, um, truly challenging about long-term faithfulness mm-hmm. in real yep.
0: life. Yep.
1: Like, yeah, show me the superhero movie. It'd be a more fun movie to watch. But isn't it interesting that so many of the subplots to those movies, the dude's home life is an absolute disaster. (laughs) Like he's saving the world, but his kids hate him and his wife left him and all that stuff. I don't think that's an accident. I think that's an observation that people who are like, you know, moving mountains on one level are actually pretty disastrous where I would argue. And I think you would Mm -hmm. argue it actually matters the most. Who cares if anybody reads my book? If my kids think it's a joke. Right. Right. And yeah, and that's the, that's the value of place when it comes. That's why monks stay committed to the same place for their whole life, because the place is the container that shows you the real.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that for, for a minute then, because you went and spent some time in a monastery. And how did that confirm, deepen, and widen your conviction for stability and place? Because you're spending time with monks for a period of time something you've studied, you know, studied yeah. for what, 10 plus years, yeah. and then you go spend time with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so much I could say there, Ned, but, um, ultimately it was inspiring and then it was also challenging. And I, I like to compare it to a time in my life when I was a runner for 10 years or so I ran and I never ran more than a half marathon. I usually run a 5k or a 10k. I'm a three mile a day kind of a guy, right? And I had, this, I had this goal to run a marathon, which seemed completely out of my league, but it's like kind of a standard for runners. Like you got to be able to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be cool to run a marathon? I could just never break half marathon. I mean, I just completely stop. And eventually I, I get connected with these guys. They ask me to train with them, invite me to train with them. And they're getting ready for the Western States 100, which is a hundred mile trail run here in Northern California.
0: Crazy people. Crazy people.
1: <laughs> not one click ahead of me, not just a little bit better than me, a whole nother league than me, so right, I'm you're like,
0: can I even call myself a runner when I then am confronted with, right, hundred mile runner, right. like This right. the guy's
1: thighs are bigger than my waist, right? So I start running with these guys at four ten in the morning. Their rest day or after their main run, they'd run with me, and I I was not only inspired, but I began to believe that I had the potential to actually improve not just one layer or level, but many, mm. and that's mm-hmm. what happened to me at the monastery. I saw a level of devotion to God that I had never seen before. And I got invited into the practices that nurtured that kind of devotion. And it was very difficult. It was humbling. I failed most of the time. I felt frustrated that I, I felt like remedial. I mean, the, it was a very challenging three weeks of my life, but it was also totally inspiring. And at the end of the time, I started to feel like I'm taking a whole nother step. I'm 25 years into a relationship with God. I've plateaued. This is taking me to another level. I'm not in some magic way, but through a couple of disciplines that I just basically needed somebody to say, your standard's too low. Mm. I pray for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes a day. These guys prayed for eight hours a day and I (laughs) prayed with them, okay? It was a big step forward. Yeah. So they taught me how to pray, for a long time that's a skill that you need to develop and it includes things like adoration which i don't do much of i mostly say god help me with this problem and then the other thing that they taught me through experience was to embrace discomfort as a good thing they fasted twice a week sometimes three times a week they often fasted two days in a row on the days that they ate they only ate two meals i was hungry the entire time i was like frustrated uncomfortable the whole time But I learned that I've just so addicted to comfort that I will surrender priorities in order to eat. What in the... That's... What am I doing? And I'm not talking about like punishing my body and getting emaciated and unhealthy, but food and physical comfort, clothes that fit well, a bed, a nice house, all those kinds of things. I pursue those things like they are the ideal, like they're the goal. Often to the, um, to the, or at the expense of things that I actually value more than comfort, like my relationship with my sons. So this was a big challenge for me. So my time at the monastery, to answer your question, it was totally inspirational, but not in a warm and fuzzy way. It was like going out thinking you're all at all that, like you're, you're super in shape and then you go work out with green berets and you're like, I'm not in shape, but I just learned some stuff. I leveled up. Mm-hmm.
0: That's exactly so, right. If the discomfort isn't so that I'm punishing myself right. for the creator, then what's the point yeah. of the discomfort? Yeah,
1: that's a stereotypical thing that unfortunately has taken hold when people think of monks. They think of them whipping their backs and stuff like that, which happened, but that's not the that's not the goal. The point is to quiet your the quiet the voices of your flesh, your hunger drive, your sex drive, your desire to be right. Um And in order to learn to submit to someone who actually loves you more than you love yourself, knows what you need more than you even know what you need, I'm talking about God. Yep. So that's the point. The point is to get radically sober, um, alert, this is the point of fasting, Um, so that you can be aware And that you can tell the difference between what is helpful and what is not helpful. Mm. Do you know, do you remember, you're younger than me, but I grew up on the Star Wars movies, like the original three Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Luke is like clumsy with the force. He can barely do anything. It's like, try to feel the force, Luke. Do you feel the force? That's the only, I was like his, I, I can feel the force. And then when I was in college, the prequels came out. Remember the prequels? They yep. weren't actually very good movies, but the Jedi were doing like force pushes and stuff. They were like moving buildings and things. And you got the sense that there is a power that's available, but that has been so ignored and neglected and, and like pinched off that nobody really understands what's possible anymore. That's what I felt like I was seeing was like, I was seeing Christians who had a spiritual power that was so beyond what I've experienced that it was almost unrecognizable. Like that's the force. You can push people over, you know, you can like push people a hundred yards away from you. Like that's possible. I'm not trying to be super weird, but I'm trying to say that, but I felt like I went deeper into, I went closer to the root. I went deeper to the source. And I hung around with guys who had committed their entire lives to knowing God. That's the only thing they're committed to. Like they've surrendered everything else. And, uh, and I'm not saying that everybody should become a monk, but it was inspirational to me. I started to look at my house more as a monastery than as just a convenient place to sleep.
0: Yeah, so I want to talk about that. Okay. So what's the point of a monastery?
1: The point of a monastery is to change the world. How so? Yeah. It's, they, people think monks are like abandoning culture and just leaving, going up to the mountains, but their point is to change the world, and their method is to embrace a singular purpose. And that singular purpose, that is the ultimate purpose of life, which is a relationship with God. It's to glorify or adore God.
0: So how does that change the world? It
1: changes the world through, it's instructional and it's inspirational. Normal, quote unquote, normal people like you and me who are looking for how do I deal with my situation can take a cue from people who are closer to the source than I am. Clearly there's differences. My life is very much more complicated than theirs because I have a wife, I have kids, I have a job. I don't have a singular focus, but their singular focus is my priority. It is my top focus. It's my main so focus. they're an
0: example of they that. They
1: are an example. So the monastery is an example to the church. The church is supposed to be an example to the world. So in that sense, I learned how to be a better dad by watching monks. I learned how to be a better community member by watching the way they interacted and forgave one another and served one another. Ned, do you know that they never ask for things at the table? They never say, hey, can you pass me the salt? Do you know why? Why? Because they're so tuned in to one another's needs that they're like, here's the salt. Like They discern that you need that and they offer it. They're remarkably focused on God and others. So that's I, instructional to me and it's inspirational. You follow what I'm saying?
0: Well, 100% because at first you go, oh, that's crazy, that whatever. But then you know that there's times where you know what your kid needs. Yes. You know what your wife exactly. needs. Exactly. Or your wife probably more often. Mm-hmm knows what you need mm-hmm. because she's so in tune with you so tune and then you. provides that. Yeah. And so that is an example of what you can be yeah. in your home if you're in tune. So then mm-hmm. how is a home a reflection of the monastery?
1: I think, it's the, I think it's the same. I think the point of the home is to change the world.
0: So then to go back to the enter into the discomfort mm-hmm. is when you make your vow and you have a home, which all of us have, Mm -hmm. and we know how hard it is, Mm -hmm. instead of just thinking, I can't wait till this meal's over because he's complaining, she doesn't like this, she's upset because of what I said before dinner, I Mm -hmm. can't wait to go get that beer and sit Mm -hmm. on that couch or whatever my thing is, (laughs) go in the garage or whatever Mm -hmm. my thing is, is to enter into the discomfort because that discomfort is where everything that I want is, but not
1: where it's being confronted.
0: Yeah. And it's not tonight's dinner or tomorrow night's or the next one. It's all of them. Plus, 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 Mm -hmm. plus forever and ever. Mm -hmm. That's when you're entering into that in tune with is what we all really want is that community relationship. Yeah, And then we become the monastery is to the church, to the world. We become that to the neighbors, to the Mm -hmm. world around us, which I love, you know, I forget who went to mother Teresa and was like, talking to her and she's like, you really want to change the world? Go home and love your family. Mm -hmm. Like she got it. Yeah. And and as dads, as men, if we can say, we look at most of the problems in our world, prison system, suicide, Mm -hmm. this, uh, high school pregnancy, abortion, uh, human trafficking, pornography, sex trafficking, all these things. I'm not saying like, it's all your fault guys. But what I am saying is that if we were to enter into stability, mm-hmm. if we were to show up for our daughters and our sons mm-hmm. and our wives, mm-hmm. 100 years from now, all those things would be different.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a correlation between all of the things you mentioned and the absent father, uh, the passive man. And the you could say it, the man who's choosing instant gratification over long-term effectiveness. And so, yeah, I don't think that... I think that... Even most days, I don't pull up to my house and go, here I am to change the world. (laughs) But I do think that we need to embrace that not as some silly mission statement for family, but as the reality, because the truth is I am changing the world of my son. I'm changing the world. He said to me last night, my 12, he just turned 12 yesterday. And he said, dad, thanks for watching that movie. And thanks for watching it with me. I thought that was so interesting that he said that because I'm always like also checking my phone or also. So he's, ah, it's so embarrassing. But he said, thanks for watching that with me. I have the, my point is that I have the power to change his world. And as you've pointed out, it doesn't end there. He goes out, someday he'll probably get married His health, his groundedness, his confidence, his security, his well-balanced life, right? His priorities will change the life of the woman he marries. And they together will change the life of their kids. And they're going to marry some other. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of ripples out. Yes. And so I don't think it's silly to say, your job is to change the world and it starts in your house. I think that's as accurate as I can express it. You are changing the world. And it starts with name your kids, name your children.
0: Dude, I had the same, like I was confronted with this recently. My wife and I are out sitting on the beach. We're talking and I don't know what it was, but we, it was like 1030 at night. We'll go sit out and look at the stars sometimes. And then we're walking back to the house and I'm walking behind her and I don't know what it was, but I felt like, man, Ned, you're not always super awesome to her. Like that's, you know, I, I go, that's God's kid. And like, I have the ability cause her growing up life was crap. Mm. And now I get to be a part of it and I either get to make it great or I get to compound on the crap. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get to ch- be a part of changing her world mm-hmm. if I allow that to be the case. And I stop going, what does Ned want? And I think, that if we could go back to when I show up to my house, like you said, am I saying, Do I get to change the world? Which seems huge? But if I can say, I get to change my son's world, I get to change my daughter or impact, mm-hmm. impact or change mm-hmm. my daughter's world mm-hmm. and my spouse's, if that's what I dedicated my life to, stability. Mm-hmm. We could also, that's going to have huge impacts
1: I would th- in just even myself. I agree. And it feels like it's the kind of mission that actually is compelling. Like when I pull up to the the garage door, the mission to be a rock, to be dependable, to walk in as the, because I don't know what I'm walking into,
0: right? Right. There right. might be
1: all kinds of arguments and disappointments and even tragedies that have happened during the day. I walk in and I have the invitation to be the source of stability for the community that I'm with. That's got to come ultimately from God, but it comes through me. And w- that's a compelling purpose. Yeah. I'm like, that moves me. That's it moves a, me and that's it's possible. W- I agree with you. It's I a way better to... mission than like, I wonder if, uh, you know, the game's about to start. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> that doesn't move me at all. Right. I need a, I need a mission. I need a purpose that I can believe in and get my heart behind. I've always needed that. And, um, I think together what we've had a lot of fun talking about over the last several years is the value of seeing the family as that mission. And what I'm trying to say with this book is don't neglect this essential ingredient, which is stability. Like it all falls apart if there's no stability. Mm -hmm. You can have Mm -hmm. any desire, can have all the money, the resources, but a fundamental building block for this thing working out is my dad was a rock. He was stable. He was there. He was committed. He didn't leave when it got hard. He pressed in when it got hard. So I think that out of that stability comes all kinds of restorative work. in the situation like with your wife that you explained, you're part of the healing of her heart. And If
0: I enter in here you, and now.
1: Exactly. If I
0: choose to be here now and yeah. do it.
1: Yeah, or you compound it, like you said. But, but you're recognizing that you have the opportunity— Through something as simple as long-term faithfulness, yeah, to move the dial on her heart and help her to actually become the woman that she's created to be, and believe that she's valued, and believe that it's good that she's here.
0: And and dude, that's what we want. Like that's the role of a king. Like I want to be a king. I want to be this guy where I'm like my garden or my kingdom is it's growing and it's 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 looking more beautiful and it's taken care of and it's expanding mm-hmm. and that can happen right in your home, which is like the whole rebel and create message and your, your, your value of stability is the core of that is enter into here, stop being distracted by the killer job or the killer hobby, do those things. But, but I bet you they're going to be better and more fruitful. Right. If this other thing is, the first.
1: Yeah. It's locked in as a, as a part of the foundation. Oh, yeah.
0: I love this stuff. Good stuff. dude. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the book, I freaking loved it. I got, you know, <laughs> a PDF copy, read it on my phone. I was stuck in line getting a COVID test at the airport um in San Francisco and I'm reading it I had like waited in line for two hours and I'm sitting on my wow. suitcase and there's another couple and I'm just sitting there like bent over looking at it. And I just, Oh, I throw my head back. I'm like, Oh, this is, you know, like forgetting that <laughs> I'm in the airport and they look at me and I felt like I had to give them an explanation of like why I was, yeah. cause we had already talked a few times. So I'm sharing this with them, which it's like, Okay, I wasn't expecting you to be reading something so intense, <laughs> um, but it was phenomenal. And and you and I've been meeting for gosh four or five years now, fairly regularly. I would say that Benedict, I've read the Rule, I've read um, the 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 one oh, yeah, where Long Longnecker. Longnecker, which yeah. was fantastic, yeah, really he written for the fathers. Rule to fathers, yes. Mm-hmm. And then your book is incredible. So I'd encourage everybody: one, get the book. We're releasing this podcast. It'll be on Amazon. Once yep. you hear this, yep. please write a review when you read the book. Super important to me that you do that because it's it's Amazon can be difficult. So please do that. And then, where can people learn more about the book? You know, obviously Amazon. And then you are going to be doing a course. Yeah. If you could share that before we okay. end.
1: Yeah, you can. It's easy. I know it's easy and quick to get it on Amazon. Uh, we actually lose money on the book if it's on Amazon. So if you, if it's up to you and you have the opportunity, you can buy the book right from my website, which is NathanOates.com. Um, Nathan scom And yeah, I'm, I wanted to, I want to, I want to help people with this content. Um, and ultimately there's some value in learning it, but there's more value in practicing it. Mm-hmm. And so beginning at, the start of 2022, I'm starting a 100-day course, it's like 100 days with St. Benedict, and we're basically going to learn about and practice stability. So we're going to learn three skills to in, in, include in our regular life, and we're going to talk about top, topics like obedience and moderation and hospitality and holiness and work and rest and perseverance—some pretty basic things—but I would say uh, we've neglected them as critical components to a life well-lived. And so uh, we're gonna—we're gonna—it's it's a hundred-day experience, and I'd love for people to participate in it with me.
0: Yeah. So I'll tell you this because I think Nathan is super humble, and I'm trying to learn that from him. But. This will change lives. This will change your family. This is a critical component to why you and I are showing up on this podcast. Don't just listen to this podcast and check it off your list of I'm a good dad because I listen to dad podcasts. Go do the work. And like, if it's not this something else, but I'll tell you, I've been spending four or five years with this guy. It has dramatically changed my life. I'll be doing the course. If you don't sign up for it in the first week, it'll be sold out. So you could just do the next one, but there'll probably be a waiting list. So if this all matters to you, you need to enter into something. You can't do it by yourself. This is clearly, this conversation shows you that you need community, especially with other like-minded brothers. You know, if you want to go run with the monks, you got to go find a group of dudes to do it with. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this is a great way to do it. And it's a heck of a lot cheaper than uh, divorce and, uh, you know, marriage counseling and probably a lot more fun. So I encourage you to check that out. And then I'm just so excited for people to read the book, man. It's going to be killer.
1: Thanks, Ned. Thanks for your time.
0: Dude, Appreciate love it. it. Until next time. All right. Peace. What an incredible conversation with Nathan Oates. I have such a deep respect and admiration for him, mainly because he's done the work. As you look at him as a man, husband, father, pastor, leader, he's done the work. And in this message on stability, you and I, I think it resonates with us that this is a critical component, that our world is in desperate need. Our fathers, our families, our homes are in desperate need of stability. And we can make it a practice and dedicate our lives to stability. And then we can change worlds. We could change the world of our son, change the world of our daughter, change the world of our wife. This is incredible opportunity that you and I have. I highly encourage you, Share this podcast with a friend, order a book, maybe two, one to give away. And if it's something that you really want to dive deep into, go sign up for Pastor Nathan's class. It will be life transformational. I know that it will, and I am deeply looking forward to it as I continue to want to dive into creating a home of stability so that I can leave an incredible legacy to future generations Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. No, thank you. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Thank you for listening. Make sure to write a review and share it with somebody in need, and I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Thank you.